Today on Locked On Canadians, we're going to talk about NHL teams and development. And what do you think? Which teams do you think are best at development? Plus some Ted Lasso stuff with no spoilers, we promise. And some thoughts on the Habs draft pick. You are Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi there, everyone, and welcome to episode 857. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more and visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. My name is Laura Saba, also known as the Active Stick, and I am joined, as always, by the wonderful Scott Matlow of Habs Eyes on the Prize. And listen, these are not dark circles. These are puffy eyes from crying because we just watched the last, the finale, the final episode of Ted Lasso. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that later on in the show. And we're also going to talk about some thoughts about the Habs draft picks. But first, um, an idea that came to me, and I texted Scott earlier today, was about team development. Scott, before we get into that, how are you doing today? So I've been thinking all day, whether rightly or wrongly, and whether or not my therapist would agree with this line of thinking is, uh, we had, I, I specifically, cause this was my idea for segment yesterday. Uh, Shea Weber is an Arizona coyote. Shea Weber is not a <laughs> Vegas golden nut anymore, which as I said on Twitter, this season has been so long that I have forgotten that this was a trade that happened. Uh, that is on me. I was the one who planned the show yesterday. I should have just looked into that a little bit. Admittedly, not a big deal. Thank you to those who pointed it out politely to us. We are not perfect people. We are imperfect people. We do our best. I thought I had a good idea, and I ran with that and did not double-check things on that. So thank you for those who pointed that out. It will not happen again. It will probably happen again. <laughs> We're not perfect people. But thank you for those who pointed out. Other than that, uh, not doing too bad. As Laura said, she, uh, Puffy Ash from Crying, these are dark circles because I feel like I haven't slept in a week because it was Memorial Day and I work in the adult beverage industry. There has been a lot of work being done recently, but we got See, another great show. I gave show. you a pass, Scott. These are definitely dark circles. I can't I, lie to people, Laura. I know, I'm not that kind of, well, unless it's about Shea Weber playing for the Vegas Golden Knights, then I can happily <laughs> lie to people. That was not a lie. That was, that was an omission. That was me for, listen, I forgot to, I went with, along with the whole episode without once remembering, once remembering <laughs> that Shea Weber is no longer a Vegas Golden Knight. So I don't think it's just you. I think it's me. And you know what? Some people actually responded that they also forgot too. So thank you to the listeners for not being jerks about it. We really appreciate it. Um, I don't know that it was the season that was long. I think it was a long season. I also think the off season has been long because the Canadians are not doing anything. So what we decided to do was kind of take matters into our own hands. And this is born out of literally somebody replied to something on Twitter from weeks ago. And they were talking about uh, something to do with the Rangers. Oh, right. Because we like somebody responded that uh, we, we did a 2019 redraft and where we would pick Cole Caulfield. And somebody said definitely before Capo Caco. And then somebody said, well, like it doesn't really count because he was drafted by the Rangers. And then we're kind of talking a lot about, uh, you know, Alexis Lafreniere or Alexi Lafreniere. Sorry, when I say it in English, I read it in English, but I'm a Quebecer. I should say Alexi uh, Lafreniere. Like just the way that, you know, he is quote unquote disappointing or what. 
I was thinking, you know, is there something inherently wrong with the way the Rangers develop talent? Because I don't know. I truly don't know. So I wanted to open this conversation up to the listeners and think, you know, in your perception, in your mind, if the Habs could have a development style or system or resources, who would they imitate? In my mind, I would say, to be honest, I would say Colorado. My in my thought with this is that Colorado's done well, but they brought a lot of people right into the NHL and adjusted them with Jared Bednar and had good talent already there to insulate them. If we're looking at a team that is coming out of rebuilding or rebuilding on the fly and wants to build depth, I look within the Canadians' own division here. I look at Toronto and I look at Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay has been the gold standard for almost a decade now of having good talent work its way up through draft picks, smart drafting, good development systems, going all the way back to when John Cooper was their AHL coach uh, for Norfolk when they had the triplets line and everything that came up with Tyler Johnson and Andre Palat, Nikita Kucherov, et cetera. They've always done a good job at building in their AHL team the same style that they want to play at the NHL level and ingraining that. Benoit Gru, who has been their coach and is someone that I would love that if they wanted to take the next step and be an assistant NHL coach or something like that, I would love the Canadians to be all over that. He always has the crunch ready to play. Even if they're not great, the system is in place there. And you see these guys get called up from the AHL and seamlessly fit into Tampa Bay's lineup. Now they're a little bit thinner because they've traded bodies and this and that to keep their cup window open. But I look at guys like Darren Radish, who was playing AHL minutes and then was playing top three minutes in the NHL playoffs against Toronto, a guy like Nick Perbix, other players, you know, like Kucherov, who were talented, that came up there. And then Toronto has a three-tier system. They've got guys in the ECHL, AHL that come up to the NHL, even though they don't play a ton because cap reasons or whatever. That's what I look to emulate is you build that consistent system and the Canadians are working on that. It's been rough because of all the injuries, but I think that's a good way. And even Buffalo now is kind of getting their feet underneath them here. Young guys play big minutes for Rochester, come up and start making an impact in Buffalo the next year, the year after that. There's a lot they can borrow in division here. And I think a lot that, yeah, Buffalo's taken a while to get there, but the premise is similar. Give young guys a place to thrive and succeed and grow and you're going to reap the rewards down the road for years and years and years afterwards. And we're going to talk a little bit in a later segment about being bold about drafting. I just also want to talk a little bit because, you know, there's a, there has been lots of question marks about the Canadians in terms of de- development in recent years. Um, so clearly they're investing in it with what they started doing in the last offseason and the hires that they made right off the bat to begin. Um, but there's a lot of question marks about drafting too. Like, have the Canadians been good at drafting? And I'm trying to think carefully about teams that draft well and squander that talent either by not developing them right or by trading them away too soon um and so i really do want i want the listeners to weigh in like who are the gold standards in your mind of players that oh sorry of teams that develop players well and who are not that great and what we're going to do actually is we're going to get some prospect people from those areas you know, somebody like Scott, who like, you know, keeps track of the Canadians prospects. They, there's writers and podcasters and experts like all around the league. And we'll, we'll get them in. We'll see, you know, what's worked for your team? What, what hasn't worked for your team? Um, and, and we'll start a series like that. But I want 
I want your opinions, listeners. So you can always uh, leave them in the YouTube comments. Uh, we can also, you can also uh, send them to us at Gmail. In fact, for an exercise like this, I would feel, I feel like the Gmail is preferable. So lockedoncanadians at gmail.com. Uh, or you can tweet them at LO underscore Canadians. You can also DM us on that account. So remember, you can leave them in the YouTube comments. But for a longer conversation like this, we prefer Gmail, lockedoncanadians at gmail.com. Uh, and you can also tweet them. And those are also all of the places you can send mailback questions because the mailbag is tomorrow. We've got some great questions already from earlier this week from listeners who are suggesting topics to me. Um, and we're going to continue with that. So don't forget to send your mailback questions in our next segment. Uh, the finale of Ted Lasso happened. So we wanted to talk a little bit about like what would a hockey uh, and a little bit more Hab specific uh, Ted Lasso style show look like. And that's all coming up in just one moment here on Locked on Canadians. But first, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs because right now new customers can get a no sweat first bet of up to $2,500. I had to reread that. $2,500. I'm not kidding. That's what it says right here. $2,500. That's $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. The FanDuel always has great promotions every day. It is a safe and secure app, as you know if you've used it, but for all you new people, it is safe and secure, and you can get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet all the playoff action than America's number one sports book. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and get a no-sweat first bet of up to $2,500. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. And us? All right, so uh, for those of you who do not watch Ted Lasso, it is a show on Apple TV, um, and you're not obligated to watch the show necessarily to kind of know what this segment is kind of about, because a lot of it did start because it was a show about being kind during the pandemic. Uh, it's a fish out of water type story where it's a football coach, like an American football coach who gets hired. Uh, the whole premise is gets hired by an English, English Premier League team uh and the you know the lessons that this person learns and the uh lies that he touches and it really is a show about being kind uh if you've stuck throughout the show for three seasons some people have said that it's dropped off in quality I just think that you know we just had a different reaction to it while we were all uh dealing with a with a international like pandemic essentially um but for those of you who stuck through to the end, like it had a lot of emotional lessons. It had a lot of stories about growth and kindness. But at the end of the day, it was a show about characters. And so if there were a Ted Lasso style show, imagine the Montreal Canadiens. Imagine Jeff Molson. Somebody gets the team from Jeff Molson and out of revenge says that they're going to hire a coach from another sport to, to coach the sport of hockey. Um, in an effort to destroy the hockey franchise. Uh, and then, you know, obviously that's oh, not how man. it works out. The show's been going on for three seasons. Uh, which sport would you draw from, Scott? I, like, if this... Man, I it's tough because, like, a complete outsider, you know, Ted Lasso came from American college football in the Midwest, which is just a completely different beast from English football. And if I'm going at the opposite ends of things here, 
because like the traditional people in the show when ted first arrives that it's like ah you know you're a wanker you're this you're not anything is this a joke what if they hired a basketball coach just the complete opposite end of the spectrum from hockey in terms of the culture the in everything that's involved in that just a completely different sport across the board there and that is my first thought because it is something very different, including right down to the way fan bases behave online. NBA Twitter is one of my favorite things in the world. I don't really follow the NBA all that much. I have too much other sports going on in here. But when NBA Twitter gets going, you cannot miss out on that. And I look at this, if I am the Montreal Canadiens, and I was thinking about this today at work, knowing the finale was today, is that I'm like, okay, if they did this, but also – if we're comparing members of the Canadians to members of the Ted Lasso, uh, the, the, the show Ted Lasso, members of AFC Richmond, the club there, I'm wondering who we would come up with. And the first thing I could come up with is that Uri Slavkovsky is Danny Rojas. He is this wide-eyed, young, you know, wonderkind kind of player who, no matter what is going on, has this insanely positive outlook on everything. And then I know I can't talk about that because I don't want to spoil season three here at all, but on the international stage, completely different person, which is the same for your Slavkovsky. So I thought that would be a very fun place to start off that if we are comparing members of the Canadians to members of AFC Richmond for this show here. So those of you who can see us on YouTube, you'll see me scrolling because I am, in fact, looking for uh, a tweet that somebody had sent us about their suggestions for each character. Um, I think for me, I like it's hard to kind of not focus on your favorite characters. Uh, who would be a villain? Mark Bershavan, depending on who you ask. Story. <laughs> like, I mean, Michelle Terrian potentially too. Like, I don't think anyone in the Canadians organization will hit the same level that like Rupert Mannion did in this show across the board. And I don't think there's someone like Nate actually, I think, fits the vibe a little bit of someone like a Max Pacioretty who left kind of in uncertain terms. And maybe the grass wasn't always what they expect on the other side, but there was a little bit of a villain role to that a little bit. Maybe Yasperi Kotkaniemi, depending on which fans you ask there could be a Nate. And my question is, have, have the Canadians had someone like Zava, a superstar who came in for like three seconds and vanished off the face of the earth? Ilya because my, I was to say, is it Ilya Kovalchuk or like Alex Kovalev, Kovalev? Who would be, uh, would be Zava for the Montreal Canadians. And, Kovalchuk like was personality fun. wise it would be Koval uh, it would be Kovalev yeah but I feel like like the, the fleeting nature and like showing up and just like transforming the team one man show kind of thing would be uh, Kovalchuk and then just vanishing off into nothingness to farm avocados apparently <laughs> like yes. it's and I guess so then who would Jamie Tart be because Jamie Tart is and I I do not care about spoiling the first two seasons at this point if you we're past the uh uh i'm trying to think of the the guidelines on spoilers here on that part is that jamie tart starts as quite frankly a selfish jerk and young. kind of young conceited conceited and grows into someone who while still a flawed individual has his own battles 
and is trying to be a better person, better teammate across the board there. And I'm trying to think of who on the Canadians that would be. I, I haven't seen anyone be like truly selfish on the Canadians here. And I've never really thought that because I mean, who's a player, even not in the Canadians, but like just in the NHL where people thought that the player had an attitude problem. PK Subban. And they grew over time. It, it PK Subban that everyone's like, he knows he's great and he was, and that he still was an incredible teammate through a lot of things. Even as he matured in age there, he came into the league. He was brash. His first shift was telling Chris Pronger to suck it in the NHL. Like that was his first shift. And that was PK Subban down to a T. And now uh, I'm trying to imagine who is this team's Roy Kent. And it has to be Brendan Gallagher, like Joel Edmondson, right? Like the guy who's just, I'm too old for all of you children. Listen up. Here's this kind of thing. But like, where's Joel Edmondson? It's kind of endearing. Where's Brendan Gallagher? I don't know that as much. Like Joel Edmondson, I think really does care about like this team. He even has the same beard and everything else. He's been to the peak like Roy Kent was. And he's coming back down there, kind of like settling into where he's going to end his career at this point. Yeah, I think I think that's a good uh, option. Apologies for everyone. I was looking for the tweet, and the person either deleted the tweet or Twitter is, uh, you know, up to its usual tricks. Thanks, Elon. <laughs> so I couldn't find the tweet. Uh, so Jeffers, if you are out there and you did tweet this at me, can you please retweet it at me because I do remember it, and I did set it aside to talk about and. For whatever reason, the tweet is gone. Hopefully, you didn't delete it. Um, so, so that was, you know, that was a big one. Uh, I also kind of want to talk about Rebecca. So, Rebecca is a really rich character, both like you know, literally rich. Um, yes. Uh, but also <laughs> the way that she's developed over time, like she's, you know, she's she starts out looking like she's going to be the villain, and then by like episode four or five, you already know she's not. Um, she shows like vulnerability and strength at the same time. And I really love that. She also accomplishes a lot over time. So like, to me, I'm like, who is the Rebecca of, you know, the hockey world? Like who's, who's that? And it's hard. Like, I really, I wish, I wish the league had more, you know, female ownership, first of all. And like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of lessons to be learned from like the way that she's portrayed. Um, and it's a really, really well-developed character, which is not to say that, you know, Ted Lasso is perfect at developing all their female characters, but I just, I really like that. Like, there's just like this, this like sense of importance attached to her. Like everywhere she goes, she like glides importantly. And she, she's someone who came into her own as the owner of this and that, there's an episode in season three where they touch on the super league idea. And I think there is a very important speech in there about the sport being for the fans, not for money. Cause without fans, what are you playing the sport for? And I want to see that more of that in just sports in general is that it's not about money. It shouldn't be about money. It will be because it's a business, but it's about the fans. And there are some teams that really do go, that extra mile for their fans with their initiatives and everything like that. I'm waiting to see someone be that Rebecca Welton character here and truly make that stand there, you know, whether it be pride initiatives for hockey fights, cancer, all the other tribute nights, the Canucks do a great job at that ownership, maybe not in the same way, but they're on that right path, these initiatives, but I want to see someone take over 
and be the Rebecca Welton of the NHL here because I think the NHL needs that that kind of shakeup, that stunningness to it. Does someone want to give me half to two billion dollars, depending for me to buy an <laughs> NHL any NHL team and be the Rebecca? Because I volunteer as tribute to that. Um, <laughs> in the meantime, I know it is the off season and everything is focused on the draft, which is the exact same as here on Lock On Canadians. We talk about the draft as many times as we possibly can because we care about it so much because the Canadians are in a rebuild, and we're going to talk about that some more. As always, in just one moment. Before we get into that, however, I want to remind everybody that tomorrow is the mailbag episode. Fridays are mailbag always. You can send us your mailbag questions to lockedoncanadians at gmail.com. You can tweet them at LO underscore Canadians or DM them to us on Twitter as well at that address or at that handle, sorry. Uh, you can also leave the comments in the YouTube uh, comments. Leave the questions in the YouTube comments. Just put mailbag questions at the beginning. I've seen a couple of you do that today, so thank you very much. Uh, and uh, we'll read them at the mailbag question uh, on the mailbag episode tomorrow. All right, Scott, uh, there was a quote that both of us independently saw today uh, and both got really excited about and we wanted to bring it up. And I've talked a lot this episode, so I wanted to give you a chance um, to express what we want the Canadians to be thinking. So, and this comes from now, and this is weird to say, General Manager Barry Trotz of the Nashville Predators. He was doing interviews as they announced their new head coach, Andrew uh, Brunette, today, which great hire for them. Uh, the quote here is from Alex Doherty, at Alex Doherty1 on Twitter. I uh, quote tweeted at Laura retweet as well. Barry Trotz on the upcoming draft says he told the scouts, take some swings, take some high-end swings on some guys, then adds, I can find you third and fourth line guys, no problem Go get me some guys that get people out of their seat. And to that, I say, I want to inject that quote straight into my veins because that should be every team's thought process at the NHL draft. Let your GM fill in the depth roles and everything. And yeah, maybe they're the ones who call people up and find where the, the new prospects are playing. But give yourself the best possible talent. If you're looking at a guy on the board and go, that guy will make the NHL as a fourth line center, but he will guarantee to make the NHL. And the guy next to him goes, this could be a potential top six winger, high scoring upside, but maybe not as high of a floor as the other guy. And you opt for the fourth line center. You are doing your team a disservice. Go for the talent. Go for the best possible player here. I love that Barry Trotz, a former coach, and who was known as always defensive in this, if he sees this, a guy who has that much experience in the NHL, and he's been around forever, he has been around the block, for God's sakes, he coached with Lou Lamarillo as his GM, he gets it. Go take these chances. Like, I look at this draft here, and we've talked about Mishkov a lot on this show, that if you're taking him or Dvorsky, if you pick Dvorsky, yes, you will probably get an NHL player out of that. You will get a lower ceiling NHL player versus Mishkov, who if if he everything goes the way that it should, and like we talked about with development earlier, putting them in a position to succeed will knock the ball out of the park. Superstar potential. And the Canadians have done this in the past. Slavkovsky was a gamble on that. Meshar is a gamble. Lane Hudson at 62nd overall is that like distilled down to 
its pure essence there. And I want that. I want the Montreal Canadiens to be the team that goes for these high skill, these high talent players. Yeah, the other guy maybe has a better defensive upside or this other guy is maybe a little bit more aware with his playmaking. But if that dude can score 40 goals as potential there, like I look at an Andrew Cristal, an Edward Schala, something like that. Uh, Gabriel Perot, who has been divisive on draft Twitter. If you can get that opportunity to take these guys and you're a rebuilding team with lots of assets to spend, you're a fool to not try for that. Like truly go and take the risk, please, please, please. And this is directly to Ken Hughes. Look at at me, Jeff. Jeff, I know you read my tweets. I know you have read my tweets to other people in the Canadians organization here. Go for that skill. Go for that player that gets the people out of their seats there. You know how many people are going to be at development camp more so than already when Lane Hudson finally turns pro because he's so exciting. All due respect to Owen Beck. I love Owen Beck. Incredibly smart player. I will not be able to take my eyes off of a player like Lane Hudson, even if Beck is on the ice, because Hudson is that guy that gives you those goosebumps, that prickly feeling on the back of your neck that you know they are about to do something so friggin' cool. Make your fans feel that way. Make them feel excited about the draft class. It's great. Oh, yeah, we drafted a bunch of third liners. Cool. This other team drafted a guy who can score 45 goals. Be exciting in that. Truly, go for that. And I think you have the recipe to really build the next great Canadians organization here. All right, so I've got a couple of thoughts on that before we close up. One, as you pointed out, Barry Trotz has been around forever and he's been a coach, right? And you have a GM that's been a coach and that has won and knows what it takes to win. And he ha- he won after years of what felt like futility. Like some of the Preds teams that he had were fantastic in terms of talent. It's true that it took them a while to get there, but he had a lot at his fingertips and so he, he was able to learn from not succeeding with good players and then succeeding with less good players the way that he took the Islanders so far in the playoffs twice in a row, I think. And then obviously winning the Stanley Cup in, uh, in uh, Washington. I almost called him Chicago. Oh, my God. Um, and, you know, like, so he's got, he's, he's got success. He's got failure. He's got that mix of, you know, having failed with a good team and having not having succeeded with the worst team or not succeeded, almost succeeded all of that. He's been around the block and that's what he's saying. So that's one point is that, you know, the Preds, like they're in good hands if this is the way that his attitude is. And that's what I want for the Canadians. Be bold and swing for the fences. The other thing is if you're being bold with all of your picks, then who's going to be on your roster? I don't think that's a question you need to worry about. Here's why. Because one, the later rounds are for safer picks. That's okay, right? Like If you want somebody with really high upside, they're going to be in an earlier round. Um, and that's that's just the way it is. And two, all these other teams aren't going to be bold. There's so many teams that play it safe year in and year out. You don't. You, you need to like fill up your cupboard with replacement level players with a bottom six. Just trade for a bottom six from another team. They're going to have an abundance of them because all they did was draft safe players. They're going to have too many of them, right? You can trade. You can find them. So you'll find them in later rounds. You'll find them on other teams. You can sign them when they're they, they, when they're uh, ah, when their rights expire from some other teams. You'll be fine. Swing for the fences. So that's all I'm going to say. We apparently have a lot of 
feelings about this topic, Scott. We both like went into like monologues about it. I just want the Canadians to do fun and exciting things. The things that give them the best chance of being exciting. Tampa Bay took risks. Toronto's taken risks. Other teams have taken risks. Take your risks and go for it. If you're not, if it doesn't happen, you're still rebuilding. It's fine. Give yourself the best chance at drafting star players. The Canadians haven't always done that. And that's what I want. I want them to follow this. I'm not saying, hey, you know, swing for a guy who's 20 years old playing in the queue, scored 50 goals or whatever, because then maybe you're gambling a little bit too much. But if there's an opportunity for something like that, go for it. The worst that can happen is, like you said, you let the rights expire and you, you just move on with your life. Best That's case scenario, exactly. things are great. Like, right. just go for it. Go for it. You're not going to lose anything when you're in a rebuild. You know what I mean? You don't want to tank your entire future. But, like, when you're in a rebuild, you need to swing for the fence. You need talent. You need upside. And you need to take a couple of risks because those risks can lead to really, really amazing players. All right, so that's it for us. You know how we feel about this topic. And um, tomorrow is our mailbag episode, but we've got some really fun ideas. Don't forget to tell us which teams you think are really good and which teams you think are really bad at developing their talent. Uh, And you can find us anywhere you get your podcasts as well as on YouTube. Please subscribe. Please tell your friends if you like us. Uh, The more we grow, the better content we can bring you. Uh, And you can also find us on social. You'll find us uh, on Twitter at LO underscore Canadians. You can email us at LockedOnCanadians at gmail.com. You can leave comments in the YouTube section. If you want us to use them for the mailbag, please put mailbag question at the very beginning of them. That's all for us for today. Make sure you are tuned in tomorrow for our mailbag episode. And it's going to be a good Friday.